When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the KPRC2 Sports Plus Podcast. My name is Chancellor Johnson, and obviously it is football season, so you know we're talking Texans, and we have a special guest in the building, DJ Enemy of ESPN, the Texans beat writer. And DJ, I know you've been here in H-Town a couple of months. How's Houston treating you? Houston treated me very well. My first couple of weeks, though, my allergies were killing me. <laughs> I thought I wasn't going to make it until week one. A preseason, mm-hmm. not the season, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I, I've enjoyed it, man. I, I enjoy living in Houston more than I enjoy living in New York, if I'm being honest. Yeah, well, obviously, coming from New York to Houston, it's a big change, I, I'd imagine, yeah. for you. Absolutely, yeah, you know, going from everything being clustered on top of each other, rent being $5,000 for a closet, you know, to now, you closet. know, <laughs> now there's a lot more space in my apartment, I'm paying a lot less, you know. My crib is nicer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of benefits uh, living in Houston. You know, yeah, the bet. food, um, the people. Gotcha. 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 <laughs> but, yeah, man, I, I, I'm enjoying living out here, man. Gotcha. And, and for your first um, game covering the Texans, we got had a, ourselves a doozy. Yeah. Versus the Colts at home, 20-20 to 20 tie. But how they got there was really interesting. Obviously, they were up 20-3 to 3 going into the fourth quarter. But – We'll get into that and, and how they blew the lead there late, but we got to start with fourth and three. Less yeah. than 40 seconds remaining. Right. Levy Smith decides to punt. Mm-hmm. What was your reaction? So in the moment, I'm like, what are they doing? They should be trying to go for the win. But in reality, I think where most of the focus should be on is the third and one call, right? Because mm-hmm. they, they gave it to Rex Burkhead. I don't really have an issue with it, them giving the Rex Burkhead or Damian Pierce. I don't really care about that. It's the play call. It's the design. Because you made it obvious. You brought in Charlie Heck. And you made them eligible, so you you know defense already kind of an idea. You're probably going to try to run the ball in this in this Based instance. Off personnel, exactly, yep. and, and distance for sure. Right, and you know rewatching the film, um, Britt, the center, he got beat pretty cleanly. So even if he even even if he holds that block, I saw there were two other defenders that were coming through the B gaps. Um, 44, number 20 from the Colts, so they were going to be there ready to make the play on the running back anyway. I, and again, you took Brandon Cooks out. You had Chris Moore in. So in reality. You completely telegraphed it. You know, I think if you wanted to run the ball in the situation, they should have did what they did on second and one where they were spread out and they only had six people in the box versus on that third down when they had seven in the box. And up to that point, Rex Burkhead averaged nine well, – he not average. He had nine yards on five carries against a seven-man box, which is what they faced on that third down. You know, so the numbers, everything went against them in that situation. Um, them punting, obviously, like, I disagree with that decision too, but I think more focus should be on that third and one because if they do something a little more creative, maybe they, they say they throw the ball, play action, whatever, maybe they get a first down and keep the ball moving, things like that. But, again, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, So I always try to be cognizant of that, but I think a lot of focus should be on that third and one that put them in that fourth and three situation. I think that third and one, I think you brought up a really good point. And then you can also reference just not blowing a 17-point lead in the fourth right, quarter as well. Right. We'll get into that. But I think for me, initially watching that unfold on that fourth down, I was a little bit disappointed in of course, Smith, of if course. I want to be honest. Game one. Right. You're at home mm-hmm. on the opponent's side of the field. Right. 
I think you're, as the Texans uh, general, the front office has talked about many times they're trying to build a winning culture. Exactly. And I think yep. in that circumstance, I would have liked to have seen Lovey go for it. Absolutely. Now, at the end of the day, you look up and you see the standings. Now they they end up tying, and obviously it's the Colts. <laughs> you know, right. uh, at, you know, right. they, they tie with the Colts in the standings. But the Jaguars lost, and the and the Titans lost. And now Tennessee has to go and play a Buffalo Bills team. So they'll be zero and two. Zero and two, and then you know you see what happens um, up there in Denver. But um, so like like looking at it now, I'm not as upset about it. But to me, what it comes down to is the principle. And once again, like it's, to me, like that's how you start your season. Right. You, like when you have it there with 40 seconds remaining, fourth and three, you're essentially telling your team, like, once you punt it, like, you know you're not getting the ball back. So, yeah. you're, so you're telling your team there in the very first game, as the head coach, we're okay with tying the game. Right. And for me, I wasn't a fan of that. But at the same time, afterwards, you know, uh, I have tried to feel like I'm, I try to be fair all across the round. Right. I thought Lovey Smith did a good job of explaining it, and I understood. He, yeah. said, hey, he said, look, hey, you know, our defense, I feel like we were gassed. At that point, he said our offense didn't have much momentum. Both things were true, and so you know, looking back on it, once again, to me, it was the principle. But I understand the logic behind it. I just would have liked to have seen him go for it um, there instead. Yeah, I think that just showed more about what he thought about the offense mm-hmm. because up until that point, the offense was once the fourth quarter started, the offense completely disappeared. I think in the fourth quarter, they only had thirteen that big yards. Fumble was changed everything. Yeah, and, and the players and the coaches alluded to. Yeah, that. I mean, they had thirteen yards in the fourth quarter. I mean, Davis Mills completed fourth quarter. And overtime, I think he completed three passes for three out of nine passes. So again, um, it's clear that confidence across the board was lost in the sense in, within the game. You know, because they, they they the offense was moving really well um, in the second and third quarter, but that first and fourth quarter in OT, they just struggled to get things going. So I think Lebby, what Lebby was really saying was offense isn't going to get this mm-hmm. because if he really thought his offense could get it, he would went for it because he knew that if he didn't get it, the defense was so gassed. Cause at that point, they had played 80-something snaps prior to the fourth and three, and he knew that, okay, if we don't get it, which I feel that we won't, then boom, our defense is going to get let them into field range, and that's going to be that. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, then it's a tie, and it's not a loss. It's not a win, but it's a tie, so – it's at the end of the world. I agree. Now you touched on Davis Bill, excuse me, Davis Mills. There, um, you struggled there in the fourth quarter, but up until that point, the first, of the third, first, second, third quarter, he made some nice throws. There was plenty of things to work on overall, but I thought, um, you know, a, a couple of ropes to OJ Howard there scoring there. I thought he made a couple of plays, um, you know, a couple of plays in immediately that, that I thought were nice, but plenty of room for improvement. That was my take on it. What did you see from Davis Mills? I think Davis Mills was okay. Mm-hmm. I think um, <clears throat> I don't think he was as good as the numbers suggest. Cause you know, look at the numbers. It's okay. He had two touchdowns, two hundred forty yards passing, passing over a hundred. Like okay, that's a really good game. But I think he was good when it was easy, when the game, when things were being schemed up for him, when his first read was there. Game script was going to yeah. Play. You know what I'm saying? Like you know the whole OJ Howard throws. Both of them like OJ was open. That was a good play call by Pat Hamilton to use a play action fake to be able to get. You know, OJ open, freeze the safety, freeze the linebackers, create that window so Davis could fire it in there. Those were really good throws. But when he tried to push the ball 10 yards and beyond out uh, on 10 yards, I mean, on um, passes beyond 10 yards outside the numbers, we saw him struggle. Even we know that one pass to Brandon Cooks, flea the flea flicker, like, it was underthrown. Like, that should have been a touchdown. Think about it. If that's a touchdown, the then changed. the game is basically, you know, the game is basically so over. You got a field goal in. Right. You a field goal out of there. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, it's, it's little things that I think uh, Davis has to, you know, pick up on, work on. Because the thing with Davis is he'll do things that will make you go, hmm, right. maybe he Something's could be the there. guy. Something yeah, is something there. is there. But 
it's we're still trying to see what that something is, right? Is that something all right, you're a mid-tier quarterback or you're a low-end starter, or is that something, okay, you could be an upper-end starter. But there is something there where it's like, no, he's a starting NFL quarterback. You just want to see him when the game's on the line, when the pressure is rising, make plays. Because last year, people talk a lot about his stats from last year, but a lot of them, you know, down the stretch, a lot of it was in was from people that I talked to around the league and when I watched, a lot of it was in garbage, you know, garbage uh, time stats. You know what I'm saying? Where the defense is kind of playing prevent. It's kind of not easier, but uh, it's not as, you know, difficult to get the yards that you're trying to get, things like that, because they're, they're, they're playing prevent, soft coverage, things like that, versus where teams are trying to make a play, trying to force you into a mistake. You know, you would like to see, I would love to see Davis Mills in that moment in the fourth quarter be able to make plays, because, yeah, they give a 17-point lead, but that falls way more in the offense, offense, in my opinion. I agree. Because if your offense isn't doing anything and defense is out there, they're eventually going to they're eventually going to break. Right, especially when you have to uh, try to tackle Jonathan Taylor for four quarters. That's very that's very difficult. But to that point, I think this is all part of the Davis Mills experience yeah. that you're going to get this season. I think that's okay because yeah. with Davis Mills being the guy that the front office has talked about, um, at least for this season, you get a chance to see him grow through it, have the opportunity to grow. He doesn't have to worry about somebody um, over his shoulder potentially right. taking those reps. Right. He will have a full season to show – not only fans, but the front office that he can be the, the the leader of this franchise, and there might be some games where it might be like this. There there might be you know he might even have worse games than that, and he might uh, have better games that that you know once again show his his potential there. So uh, I like you know if I as a you know if I as a fan or just somebody as a media the uh, as a member of the media to me it's like you know, okay cool like this is just part of the experience of, right, of right. trying to see if if he can be the guy ultimately there. Defense now, I thought. First three quarters, they're phenomenal. They were, they were really good. Yeah, they're and phenomenal. then once again, the fourth quarter they blew a seventeen point lead. But once again, I didn't really feel like it was so much on the defense. But yeah, I mean, if if your offense is getting three and outs early on in, in the fourth quarter and and trying to tackle Jonathan Taylor, like, like I was kind of joking there, but I'm but I'm serious. Like they, the Colts have a very good offensive line that will wear on you. And then right. I thought secondary overall, like Matt Ryan made some throws. He's a good quarterback, so it, it right. is what it is. It is what it is. Um, but I thought. I thought Jonathan Owens had a really good game. I thought yeah. he made like he made two game saving tackles. I mean, uh, excuse me, touchdown saving tackles. He had yeah. one against Jonathan Taylor. We talked about that at the game. He was the last man to beat open space. That's not easy to do, and he nah. wrapped him up there. And then of course um, the one that I think ultimately ended up in the uh, fourth down um, stop where the man um, uh, had caught it for the Colts in the back of the end zone and he punched it out. Yeah, like, yeah that I, remember that. I remember time. that. I remember that. Stingley. Um, there were some plays, um, or we've we've discussed this kind of off air <laughs> as well too. Um, where the, the man just throws a lot of space around uh, uh, around the wide receiver that I was you know you wouldn't want to see uh, from your cornerback, but he had that phenomenal um, pass breakup yep. in the end zone that yep. is only a sur- uh, like a small amount of guys can make that type of play, and that to me shows you you know the the potential of Derek Stingley Jr. And same thing uh, with Steven Nelson as well down the field. I've noticed people have tried Steven Nelson down the field in, in the preseason. They did it with Debo Samuel. They did it um, uh, on Sunday with um, uh, with the Colts as well too. And, and he's been pretty good, especially down the field coverage. I like what they have in Steven Nelson. I feel like people aren't talking about him enough as, as a guy who can really help out as Derek Stingley Jr. continues to develop. And then, of course, Jerry Hughes as well. I mean, he, he was – how old is that guy at this point? Like, He's pretty old. He was, but he was he was great out there. John yeah. Bernard made some plays as well too. Um, from your vantage point, what did you see? Yeah, I, I think the defense can actually be. Um, I, I think above average. I think above average to good. 
Like I, they they have pieces, you know, mm-hmm. like like they've built the defense the way you want to in today's game, right? They got two viable corners. They have two versatile uh, safeties. They have two guys that can come off the edge. They have a soft. I was watching Malik Collins um, when I was watching the game. He was all over the place. Like he was whooping some of the um. Uh, Colts offensive lineman's butt up throughout the a day. A good O-line, like, too. Yeah, a good O-line. There were plays where, like, he was, you know, being able to get penetration. Granted, like, yes, Jonathan Taylor still ran for what he ran for, but it, took a, lot of, it took a lot of carries, <laughs> yeah. though. A lot like, of gang tackling as well. If, if, if a running back has, like, 30-something carries and you hold him to, like, about 150, like, granted, that's a lot, but that's not that bad yeah. in reality because if he's not breaking that big one, mm-hmm. then, like, okay, yeah, he's moving the ball down the field and he's churning it, but, again – you can live with that because those are long drives, and eventually the offense will make a mistake because that's usually what happens. Right. So, I think that you know the the defense, and you obviously have Glovey Smith calling plays. Like the defense, I I I'm really I'm high impressed. on the defense. I was I was yeah I'm I mean I'm impressed with the defense because I was high on them throughout the preseason. I was like okay, what I was seeing in practice was translated, and now what I've seen in, in preseason is translated to the regular season. Now they got a bigger task going against Russell Wilson and, and, and those boys, but I think they'll be up to it. So let's let's talk about the Broncos there. Um, obviously, we watched what happened on Monday Night Football. You can kind of say Nathaniel Hackett and Lovey Smith, obviously two different situations late in the game, but both questionable decisions down the stretch. Um, for the Texans, as of right now, as a tie, so you, you, know, you kind of live with that if you're the Broncos, the way that game ended. Um, Nathaniel Hackett elected to kick a 60-plus yard field goal instead of trusting his future Hall of Fame quarterback. It was just a reason why you kind of you would think went out and Lunacy, got him. Man. And, they, and they lost. And also, I think it's important to note, too, in that division, you got to have like, those games, those close games, you kind of have to have them with the Chiefs, with the Chargers, and the Raiders there. All those teams are potential playoff teams. You can't give up. You know, you I can't just give away right. games there. I don't think there. the Raiders are a playoff um, team. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the That's a discussion for another day. But <laughs> um, but either way, the Texans will get a um, a hungry Broncos team at home. Yeah. Um, the debut of uh, Russell Wilson at that stadium there. Uh, what are your expectations heading into that game? Oh, man, the defense better be ready. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they – but I do think the, the Texans match up well because mm-hmm. they have – because, you know, the, the Broncos have three really talented receivers in K.J. Hamler, Sutton, and Jerry Judy. But the Texans have three really good corners and Steven Nelson, Derek Stingley, and you have Desmond King in the, in the nickel. Mm-hmm. So I think they match well. And then you also have the two versatile safeties in Petrie and Owens. So I think that they match up well in the pass game. The thing is, okay, can they limit the, their run, um, you know, Melvin Gordon and – Javante Williams, can they limit that? Because if they can limit that, then when the play action play passes come, then you know the, hopefully the linebackers won't suck up too much into it and bite on that too much, you know, and creating some of those windows. Because I know you mentioned like there was some plays where Derek Sling has space around him. A lot of that was on some of those were on play action, which sucked up um, the linebacker. Yeah, the linebacker left the void in space. Exactly over the middle of the field. So you know if they can s- limit the run, then you know. Um, You'll be able to match up with the receiver, and nothing can. They're gonna have to be able to cover for like four, five, six seconds because Russell Wilson can extend. So, but I do think they they match. Up. The real question is, can the Texans' offense be able to score and move the ball against the Broncos' defense? Because on paper, they have a really, really good squad. Right, the secondary has Pat Sertain, who's gonna be arguably one of the best corners in the league. You have Simmons, who's one of the best safeties in the league right now. You know what I'm saying? You got a good uh, D-line, you know, with DJ Jones and Gregory. And you have, obviously, as you mentioned, Chubb, who had two sacks last night. So 
it's going to be for sure a battle mm-hmm. and in that aspect. Like the Texans' offensive line is going to have to move the ball. Because the last thing you want is Davis to have to throw the ball 40 times against that defense. Especially with that, with that secondary there. The Texans win on Sunday if? Uh, I think they win if, um, whoo, you know, they're 11-point underdog. I think, I think they win if their defense can limit them, you know, limit the, um, the Seahawks like the way – Limit Seahawks. Limit the Broncos like the way the Seahawks limited Broncos. Granted, like the Broncos still had a bunch of yards, but you know they they hold them 16 points. If they can limit them um, to like let's say like around 21, 22, and then you know the run game can get going and Davis Mills can play off of that, then I think they have a great shot. But if the run game can't go in, can't get going, then they're going to be in a lot of trouble because that stadium is hard to play in. That deep that the crowd's going to be rocking. The defense is going to be fired up. You know so. Yeah, I think the run game has to get going so they could Davis Mills can play off of that. Because when Davis Mills can be a complimentary complimentary piece to the offense, to the run game, we've seen it be effective. Like the Chargers game was an example. We saw that against the Patriots a little bit where he threw for like 300 yards and three touchdowns. So, again, like she has to be able to compliment, give him running game so he can play off of that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Texans, Broncos, obviously since this is the more of the West Coast, the game starts a little bit later. That one will, will get underway a little bit after 3 o'clock there. DJ, appreciate you for joining me on the show. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining us.